I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to our podcast. Yes, good. Where we talk about media candidly in the same way we do in real life, but we record it. Yeah. Alright, so, <laughs> quick disclaimers. This is our first time working with this technology at all, so if anything sounds weird or is fluctuating in volume, um, it's just or the learning curve. cat meow. Yeah, well, that's not even going to be a first episode thing. That's just a forever <laughs> thing. Um, but yeah, if there's any cats meowing, like, sorry, uh, I own cats. <laughs> yeah, so this is our first time um, recording a podcast. So there might be some uh, hitches in the road, but we will uh, overcome them. Hopefully. Welcome. Join us along the way. <laughs> so this episode, we are going to be talking about Detective Pikachu. Um, <laughs> and... Wait, I feel like I'm doing all of the talking, so do you want to read the synopsis? Do you want synopsis? me to introduce it? Yeah. Okay. So, for those of you who don't know, 2019's Detective Pikachu is about 21-year-old insurance agent Tim Goodman, who finds out his estranged detective father is presumed dead. He travels to Rhyme City, an urban utopia where humans and Pokemon work peacefully alongside one another. There, he stumbles across Pikachu, his dad's Pokemon partner. Prompted by Pikachu's amnesiatic survival of the accident, they begin investigating Harry Goodman's quote-unquote death and uncover a nefarious plan that will ruin the city's harmony. So before we really get into talking about uh, the movie itself or any nitty-gritties, uh, we do want to explain like our relationship with Pokemon overall just to give you context on our individual backgrounds. So Grace, do you want to explain your, your relationship with Pokemon? My relationship with Pokemon is that I was a huge Nintendo child. And because of this, my parents banned Pokemon from our house because they did not want to buy into another franchise. Uh, so I was in high school, I think, before I played a Pokemon game. And I was playing Ruby, I think. I borrowed it from a friend, um, but turns out he had borrowed it from someone else. So before I could finish it, that someone else came and took it back. So I've never actually played a full Pokemon game, except for... <laughs> And yet we let you review Pokemon. <laughs> and yet I'm reviewing Pokemon because when I got to college and met a whole bunch of nerds like Amy, they were like, what do you mean you haven't played Pokemon? And so I've just been introduced to it through uh, loving video games and nerd culture and uh, hanging out with people who really like Pokemon, like Amy, who kind has of a huge relationship with Pokemon. <laughs> do you want to talk about it? You mean Amy who bullied you with Pokemon Stadium sophomore year? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sophomore year? That was like a month ago. I mean, I did it again a month ago. <laughs> um, well, okay, so um, I started playing Pokemon um, basically like when my memory starts as a kid, just because I had an older family friend who introduced me and my sister to Pokemon. Um, so I played um, Generation 1... Um, I had red on my Game Boy Color. I had the pink one, which is apparently really rare now and could go for a lot of money, but pry it out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> um, and then I didn't play another Pokemon game until I got Diamond on the DS. So my familiarity with Pokemon is basically only up until Generation 4 or 5. Um, the newer generations, I really don't know as well, just because I've never played one of those games because the DS is the newest handheld console that I own. Um, but uh, I have seen basically all of the Pokemon movies up until sometime in like 2016. Um, and Pokemon was a huge, huge part of my childhood, even if I didn't play every single game. <laughs> um. So, do we have a major point that we want to start with with this movie? I feel like we should start off talking about um, the live-actionness and the way that we are introduced to Pokemon in this context. In that it's the only good CGI out this year. <laughs> Realistic CGI for the win in Detective Pikachu. Emotion on faces that are animals. Who would have thought it's possible? Which is really funny, because I remember when... They said they were going to do it, and there were trailers out, and pretty much everyone had the same reaction that they're having to Lion King and Sonic the Hedgehog now, and it's that, stop it, don't, we don't want that. Um, and and cats. It, and cats. <laughs> stop it, we don't want that. <laughs> okay, I don't know if we're going to cut this out or not, but I found out that um, Cats was originally going to be animated in like a Tim Burton kind of style, and have <sighs> really stylized Cats, and that would have been so good, because I think Cats is like idea. just that brand of weirdness that you get sometimes in musicals that would be great with like a really stylized art. Anyway, 
Our first tangent. <laughs> Our first tangent. There will be so many. Mark it down, people. It's not the last one. Make it a drinking game. If you're don't, over 21. Don't make it a drinking <laughs> game. That's a bad idea. Um, um, I really liked this CGI more than I thought I would. Because, like, it's very weird at first to see Pokemon look so fuzzy if they're furry. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like the only Pokemon that you really get that with in the games or in the show, in the anime style, are really, really furry Pokemon, like Ninetales, where, you know, there's the very obvious, like, fur texture drawn in. Um, so seeing, like, Pikachu furry kind of threw me off at first, but then once you get used to it after, like, the first ten minutes, then it's really good. Like, yeah. real cute. <laughs> I think what made it work is that you can tell it was made by people who absolutely love Pokemon and have for all their lives. So when they had to make decisions like, what would Jigglypuff's skin look like and that kind of thing, they knew the Pokemon, they knew the lore, and, like could be creative from that standpoint of really respecting the media. And so it just you can tell there's just so much love put into every single detail of this movie. Yes, good. Well, and the amount of, uh, not necessarily Easter eggs, because they don't connect directly to other Pokemon media, but just these small nods to details that people who have played the games are going to know mm -hmm. um, is... It really shows the amount of love that the movie was made with. Um, and I'm getting some of this from Tumblr posts, so like, don't think I'm that great at picking up on details after one watch. <laughs> but um, I know that a, a lot of people pointed out how um, Snorlax is sitting on the crosswalk, so he's blocking the path like he does in every freaking oh, Pokemon yeah. game. Um, and just little details like that are such amazing nods to saying, we know that you play the game, we know that you're going to recognize this, like, we know that this is something that is, like, a meme in, you know, Pokemon fandom, mm -hmm. or something that people will get joy out of recognizing. Like, they really played with yeah. that. Yeah, well, and isn't, like, the little squad of Squirtles helping put out the fire, that's also a nod to the anime, right? Right, that's, like, the third or fourth episode of the original anime, I think, is mm -hmm. when Ash gets his Squirtle. Um, the Squirtle Squad. Squirtle Squad. Squirtle Squad. Yes, good. Um, I have seen parts of the anime, and as many of the movies Amy forced me to watch in college. So, forced <laughs> me to watch. I really wanted to watch them. <laughs> there was a marathon. There was a marathon. <laughs> so, I think that is a really good thing about building this world. And then also, though, it's such an interesting difference to see characters that aren't trainers. Or mm -hmm. people who take their Pokemon to Pokemon contests, because that's, um, in the most recent season of the anime, I believe that is what Mei does with her Pokemon, which I could be totally wrong on that. I'm not up to date on the anime <laughs> past, like, Indigo League. But, um, I believe that is what Mei does, or at some point, some character in the anime is into the Pokemon contests. So those are the only two things that we've ever really seen in, um, the movies and TV show, but then this movie went and it's like, hey, this guy is an insurance agent, salesman, something like that. I don't think they ever say his official title. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really interesting is that we see somebody in this world who doesn't really like Pokemon. And that's something we've never seen in the Pokemon world before. Because, of course, we like Pokemon if we're playing yeah. the game. So they gave us characters that were like us. That actually leads into my first point I wrote down and like my favorite thing about the movie even before I watched it. It's just the level of immersions, immersion they let themselves get into. They, from the start, were like, we don't want a training movie, we just want a Pokemon movie. And again, you have to be an absolute Pokemon nerd to even design that and really get into it. Um, and I feel like it's such a natural progression from stuff like Pokemon Go, which was Pokemon in the real world. And you're still a trainer in that, but like, going to your park and like, using the little augmented, augmented reality camera... Um, to try and find Pokemon in the real world and uh, go to the river to find water types and stuff like that. Um, and I, it's just, it plays so wonderfully off of what video games are heading towards with VR and augmented reality right now. Um, and even just like realistic elements that are showing up in video games like Red Dead Redemption 2 yes, where you have good. to clean your horse and yourself and take care of your hair and your clothes. Um, there's just such a level of immersion that uh, video games are striving towards right now. And Detective Pikachu just dived right into that and was like, what would this world look like? We want to push you right into that. And I think it was just done 
so wonderfully. Um, this is not a point I have made, it's a point other people have made and I clung on to, but someone said that the reason Detective Pikachu was such a success is because it's a video game movie where the people are unashamed to have made a video game movie, and I think that's just, it's so wonderful. You look at any other kind of, like, the Assassin's Creed movies, um, there's, like, Warcraft movies and stuff like that, and there's always just a level of, like, we don't really want it to be a video game movie, or they're just kind of like, oh yeah, haha, we made a video game movie, and uh, Detective Pikachu just fully embraced that and said, we're making a Pokemon movie, strap in, let's do this. Yeah, I think that they really weren't afraid of, like, tipping over that edge that a lot of, um, movies that are nerd culture adaptation sort of things toe. Um, because even Marvel sometimes, like, toes the line where they're trying to appeal to a mainstream audience more than they're trying to appeal to their nerdy followers that are into fandom mm -hmm. and the other material and all of the other media. Um, and I think that the Pokemon movie said, like, screw that, we don't need everyone to love us, we just need Pokemon lovers to love us, yeah. and if anybody else loves us anyways, that's great. And because they just decided to, this is like, gonna be, sounds so deep, because they decided to love themselves, <laughs> everybody loved them. Um, and I think that, um, it's really great to see media just starting to embrace that, um, rather than, like, tiptoeing around the fact of being too nerdy, you know, or something like that. It does help um, that, uh, everyone loves and knows Pokemon and, like, Pikachu's right. one well, of the hugest cultural icons. Pokemon Go helped with that so much, yeah. too, because so many people who didn't care about Pokemon got into Pokemon mm -hmm. Go, and then this movie came out. Yeah, it's So just, it really helped them. They timed it so well, didn't mm -hmm. they? Cause they really did. Pokemon was huge, it was, everyone knows, like, Pikachu and maybe some of the first-gen starters. And then Pokemon Go comes out and everyone knows a lot of Gen 1 and probably a lot of Gen 2 if they stuck with it a few months in. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> and then you get Detective Pikachu and everyone kind of knows what's going on. Uh, going back, though, to the uh, sense of the world in this, it, it is kind of weird to me that Tim doesn't like Pokemon and doesn't seem to have associated with Pokemon after his dad moved to Rhyme City. Because mm -hmm. it, it, it's kind of operating um, on giving us the assumption that after his mom died and his dad moved to Rhyme City and he chose to live with his grandma instead, that Pokemon kind of ceased to be a part of his life, which is very contrary to the way that this world seems to operate. Because even in the anime, like, Ash's mom isn't a trainer. She, um, you know, just works in uh, Pallet Town, like a small little town. Mm -hmm. But she still has a Mr. Mime that helps her clean around the house. And so it's kind of odd that they kind of give us the impression that Tim hasn't interacted with Pokemon outside of just, like, passing them yeah. on the street for years. Because it's like, does Grandma not have any Pokemon then? Like, do, did his friends not, you know, just bring their Pokemon around when they were hanging out in high school? You know, like, it didn't, that doesn't totally make sense to me why, like, his aversion is so strong, even though the Pokemon world is based on everybody has Pokemon. I think they were trying to build, I think it was one of those plot points that, um, and there's a couple of them that come up that they kind of introduced them, um, and didn't entirely follow through just because they were doing so much with the film. Um, so I got the impression that, yeah, that it was just kind of, that kind of, like, traumatic thing where you don't want anything to do with it anymore when you're growing up. So maybe he avoided Pokemon, and because of that, his grandma didn't have one, because um, she knew it, like he didn't want to be a part of it, and his friends kind of didn't pressure him into hanging out with Pokemon or getting one. Um, you can, I think Up until the Cubone. <laughs> up until the Cubone. Um, also, though, the nod in the Cubone scene, too, with all the Cubone lore, with, like, oh, he's a Kangaskhan <laughs> wearing his mom's skull. Like, yeah. I love that they embraced that. That was real cute. But yeah, it's one of those points that they didn't delve further into, but it felt like it could be explored more. Literally yeah. the John Mulaney meme. Now, we don't have time to unpack that. Yeah. Um, which I think is actually a really good point. And another way of kind of showing you what the world's like if you're not a Pokemon person. Because if you think about it, like, it'd be the same as, like, you're not, like, a dog person or huge into animals or something. And you're just kind of like, like, have you ever seen, like, a... Me. I'm talking about me. Have you ever seen, like, a dog person who meets new dogs, and everyone's usually kind of like, oh, look at that, look, it's so cute, can I pet your dog? And, like, someone who's maybe a little afraid of dogs, or has never been around one, is just kind of standing awkwardly, or 
doesn't know how to interact or just kind of like doesn't make eye contact and keeps walking even if a dog's just kind of like will you pet me whenever you pass by um and that kind of just awkwardness of this is a universally loved theme but I don't really want to interact with it yeah it's just interesting because I feel like Pokemon have permeated the human's life in the Pokemon world even more than pets permeate like our real world lives Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, I guess in my mind, it's just kind of hard to make the, um, like solidify the idea that he never interacts with Pokemon, even though that's like what they're suggesting. We also don't see a ton yeah. of them in his hometown though. It's right. when we he only goes get to Rhyme like City. two minutes of him in his hometown. That's true. So, so we don't know yeah, how we much don't is there. Really know. But it's very obvious that like Rhyme City is Pokemon central. Right. And um, Rhyme City is so different too from the rest of the world even because they are this like harmonious city where there's not battles, there's not trainers, it's just Pokemon and people living together. Um, which honestly like one of my only bones to pick with this movie is that there's only one battle scene. Because doing live action CGI too? There's the one, there's an actual battle scene and then there's like the stuff at the end and the climax. That's true. Um, but... It's just, like, live-action CGI of Pokemon is so cool to me because of how all the opportunities to animate the Pokemon moves. Because they already have the way that they have to adapt from the games to the anime, which is hard. Because it's, like, how do you show certain moves that are such, like, strange, unique things in the game? Like, how do you animate those into, like, a real-world-feeling setting? Yeah, and, like, and making then, turn-based battle into, like, a real-time Right, like that, they already had to overcome that challenge just to make anime and movies, but then with a live action, it's like, okay, how do we do live action animation of those same moves Mm -hmm. that already are really hard to adapt into a visual form? And so, um, I was kind of excited to see battles, and then there's only one, because they're in Rhyme City, where you can't battle. (laughs) Yeah. I think, though, they, I think they really tried hard to separate themselves from the traditional games and the anime, though, um, I think they really, like, they started out saying, our main character's not a trainer, um, he's gonna be awkward around Pokemon, and there's not gonna be a battle, because we live in a harmonious world. I think they wanted to show off what else they could do that wasn't, you know, playing along with already made stories, um, and that they had to kind of distance themselves from that, because I think also if they'd come in being like, we're gonna adapt... Pokemon 2000 or whatever it is into a live action movie people would have been like why though and I think there's, there's I mean a... I wouldn't have said why though but other people would have <laughs> yeah well and I also there's a huge debate going on in um in kind of movie culture in general but I think especially in nerdy culture of like what is the value of live action over animation and should we put, be putting effort into live action instead of animation when we provably have really cool things that could be done with animation like into the Spider-Verse comes out and suddenly everyone wants more stylized, more pushing the boundaries of these animated films. So I think if a Pokemon film had come out, people would be like, why would we do that when we could have more animated Pokemon films? And they would be really, really good. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I think they're just kind of doing that uh, to be provably something different. They could also, because the battle scenes they did have, I think were really good. And they've already announced a sequel film, so they could be going further into that in a sequel and be kind of setting themselves up. Showing off now that they can do it um, makes it easier to do it more in a sequel. That's true. And two, if live-action Pokemon movies become... Like, if this keeps going, being popular, I could see them doing, like, spin-off stuff, new characters, kind of Mm -hmm. like Star Wars you know, where it's connected, yeah. but it's new characters. Like, I could see them doing something like that, so maybe eventually we will get a live-action Pokemon movie um, with this kind of CGI that's about a trainer who mm-hmm. is just, you know, going to the, uh, you know, gyms and battling the Elite Four or something Gosh, like that. It, it's not going to be Ash. Uh, at some point, we really got to <laughs> leave Ash behind, which I feel like is probably an unpopular opinion, but, like... <laughs> Dude's like 40 at this point. <laughs> you don't even have to leave him behind. He just has to be a side character so someone else can have the plot that they're working so hard for. I'm still mad about that one movie that should have been Maze. Yeah, no. Um, the movie 
Pokemon Prince of the Sea, I think is what it's called, with Manaphy. Um, Ash totally steals that movie from May, and we weren't happy about it when we watched it. May does all of the work, and then Ash swoops. Ash is like a kill stealer in that movie. He swoops in at the last minute and is like, I get all the XP points. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> oh. Um, but... To go back to Detective Pikachu, <laughs> um, one of the uh, notes that I wrote down here too was kind of talking about the design of Rhyme City because I don't know if you noticed, but the signs were all written in English because we are watching a movie that is voice acted in English, but they look like Japanese text. I did notice some of that. And that yeah. was a really cool way to like merge together the fact that like this is, you know, Japanese media created for an American audience or an mm -hmm. English audience. Uh, which I'm sure that they dubbed the movie or something into other languages. I would hope so. Um, yeah, like, they better. I hope that it's got released in Japan. This is making me realize maybe we should have done, like, more homework before we started recording yeah. this. Uh, another disclaimer, we watched this last night, and then we had a morning before Amy goes off to work to record it. We were just <laughs> so excited that we didn't do the research we said we were going to. Yeah, potentially um, these podcast episodes need more research than we did today. Like um, we said, it's a journey. Right. Like, we'll get our uh, our rhythm down with the <laughs> kind of prep we need to do before we actually sit down to record. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to see um, that kind of blend. So you had the sense of this is, you know, Japanese media, um, but also, like, we know that we are doing this in English, so, like, here you can read the signs still. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of cool to see. I also really liked that some of the characters felt very much like anime characters. Um, oh, what was the girl's name? I wrote Lucy. it down. Lucy. So I wanted to ask your opinion on Lucy, because I have mixed feelings about her, and I don't know how to say any of them, but mm -hmm. I do. Um, I think that she's a little bit of a manic pixie dream girl. Um, yeah. Because she's, you know, quirky at the beginning. She's Her whole pretty, aesthetic, and too, like The fact that she looks bit. like an anime girl really feeds into that. Definitely. Um, so she feels like a manic pixie dream girl at the beginning, which, like, I'm just not in favor of. Um, just ever. Um, but then she is, like, a really fun character to have through the investigation of the lab and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um... And I think it is cool that she has a Psyduck, so we're very much reminded of Misty. Um, and so I think that's a really good choice on their part to kind of evoke the um, Ash and Misty sort of idea with Pikachu and Psyduck. Yeah. Um, that is very fun. Um, I don't like how her character evolves, though, because she literally takes the suit jacket of the reporter and gets on the news, does the reporting, gets her respect at work, and then when she's told that she's going to be able to be on mainstream news, she's still wearing that suit jacket in front of the man who told her that she needs to, like, get a sense of style and, like, made fun of oh, her. Yeah. And I don't really like that evolution of she had to change to be able to get the dream job and to get the respect of the man who has the potential to give her that job. Yeah. Because they very much gave us a physical transformation for her to get to that point. And that's such a small detail, too, that she took the jacket. Um, like, because honestly, if she had just not been, had taken the jacket off at the point that he told her, I think that entire, like, that entire feeling would be gone. I think it's just so subtle that a lot of people wouldn't even realize that. Right. It's just one of those, but like, you're small things right. that kind of got slipped in there. Yeah, she conformed to be able to get on the news, even though she'd still uncovered this giant news story and should have still yeah. had respect for being on it before anybody else it's was. It's even, like, yeah, it's just, like, even a subconscious thing of she had to do this thing. Which, to be fair, it's a bright red jacket, it's very stylized to look like something a Pokemon character would wear, and it stands out in a crowd. Um, so there are, like, logical reasons as to why she put it on. I didn't even pick up on that, but yeah, you're right. I also, I, I do appreciate that, um, even though there's, like, attracted, like, mutual attraction between her and Tim, there's never any romance. Right, they totally strayed away from a romance subplot as yeah. part of this movie. Like, Pikachu's teasing Tim. Tim, at one point, says during the a battle that he's really attracted to her, but not even to her, it's just him admitting his feelings to himself, and then, like, they're obviously gonna stay friends but yeah there's no sort of romance she doesn't have to give anything back to him I think that part was handled really well yeah because it's just kind of like a cute like mutual flirting occasionally kind of thing but it's not something that they really like take away from the plot with or spec ex 
expect us to spend a lot of brain power on while we're viewing the movie. Um, so it's done in a really nice, subtle way where it's like, yeah, there are two people who are attracted to each other, but this isn't the point of the movie or their characters. Um, so I think it's a really nice, like, 21st century way to handle, like, a little bit of romance. And I think that was done really well. I'm trying to find who plays her, because I had a point. I don't think I've ever seen that actress in something else. I wonder if this was, her, like, her first big movie or something. Yeah, okay. So, I'm trying to find pictures of her, because you talked about her being a manic pixie dream girl, and I think part of the point, like, something that really nailed that in is that she's the only one who looks like a super anime character. Yes. Some of the costuming did, I guess, I guess some of the, like, scientists and people who worked in the facility did, but she is the only main character who does. And now that I'm saying this out loud, I'm wondering if that's because they only really made the female characters look anime. Because it was all, it was the woman who was a ditto secretly, and it was the doctor, Dr. Laurent, in the really facility. good point. Um, it wasn't the Cliffords, it wasn't Tim or his dad. Mm -hmm. It was, and, and so I was like, okay, I don't know what she looks like in real life. I shouldn't say that. But um, that's what she looks like in real life. So she doesn't look like... Yeah, An she anime has girl. different colored hair. Um, different colored hair, almost a different, not really, almost a different face shape, but that's probably just like the clothing and the way they styled her hair. Um, so they definitely leaned into that with her character design, mm. and now I'm thinking about it, they leaned that into it with a lot of female character designs. And I kind of have a problem with that. Not inherently having anime girls, but... That's, it was only anime girls. Right. Because the men in Pokemon still have, like, colored hair and stuff like that yeah, sometimes. Yeah, they like, have, like, not the only the hair, women. like, Brock's eyes. Like. Right. And so not having any of the male characters have, like, really stylized hair or wearing, like, bright funky colors or anything mm -hmm. like that, and then the female characters are, is a very weird choice. Yeah, there's just such a context of anime girls being over-sexualized. Um, and not that these characters were sexualized, because no. I really don't feel like they were, but no. it's just weird that they were the only ones stylized in an anime Pokemon yes. fashion. It's a very strange choice to yeah. have. Um, like, who was the uh, the costume crew? Because I kind of want to ask why they did that. Even if it was like... Because, like, the outfits, I noticed the outfits that Tim was wearing were so boring. <laughs> I don't even remember the outfit which he was wearing, I totally proves your point. I totally understand that he's supposed to be, like, kind of boring in this bright, fun world of Pokemon because he's not embracing Pokemon, so we're supposed to see him as, like, this weird, like, straight-laced person who, like, doesn't like Pokemon, so of course he's boring. Because mm -hmm. um, we see him wearing, like, literal khakis in the first, yeah. or in the first uh, scene that we see him in. Then later he's just wearing, like, a t-shirt and jeans when they're investigating the lab. And it's like, they missed an opportunity just to have him wearing, like, a kind of unique jacket. Yeah. Or, like, some cool bright shoes. Like, literally, like, gym shoes. But, like, how many guys are, like, into their, you know, bright, fun, like, mm -hmm. Nikes or Adidas? And, like, he could have been wearing something along those lines. Or, like, even if they didn't do that with his character, to make a point that he's, like, the audience's viewpoint and not quite into the world of Pokemon, they could have done that. Why, did, why wasn't there, like... Oh, and a stylized police costume, and why didn't the Cliffords have really funky suits? Um, because even, like, Tim's friend at the beginning, who, I don't know if they ever say he's a Pokemon trainer, but he's obviously more into Pokemon. It he seems had like the red he hat. is going to go on the road to be a Pokemon trainer, yeah. is what they're insinuating. Yeah, he felt kind of stylish. He had, like, the big backpack, he had the red hat, like, he looked like a Pokemon trainer, mm -hmm. or someone who's really into Pokemon. So they did that, but they didn't do that with any other of the male's men's costumes and I designs. do feel like because Rhyme City is this like kind of unique city and a big city um the Cliffords could have almost been like Hunger Games capital-esque kind of mm -hmm. costuming oh, where yeah. it's like oh they're these unique city people and they have like money because they're in charge of the yeah. city so they could have been very very uniquely costumed characters and they just weren't they were just wearing normal suits just like normal hair normal accessories um, and so I feel like that's almost a little bit of a loss on the part of the costume department. Yeah. Team Rocket wasn't in this movie. <laughs> that is my other bone to pick, is that they called this gaseous, uh, substance that causes the Pokemon to go crazy, um, R? What was the term before it though? Serum R? 
Agent like R. Virus R. Virus. Or, I think they honestly just kept saying, like, the R stuff and yeah. stuff like that. I think I just saw um, a picture of, like, Pikachu running away and being like, oh no, they inhaled the R stuff. Um, they they, they called call it R, it. and in the Pokemon world, of course, that's going to make you think Rocket, Team Rocket. And then Team Rocket wasn't a part of this movie at all, which is, um, it's just one of those things where it's like you can't do something that's so close to making a connection and then not recognize that connection. Yeah, I, there was a really funny moment where, um, you see the art for the first time, Tim picks up a little vial of this purple gas that is being made to make Pokemon go crazy. Um, and it has a little R engraved on it, and sitting next to each other on the couch, Amy gasps. And then about a minute or two later, I'm like, oh, I get it now! Um, and yeah, so it was just a very, they were definitely leading us on, and it's that, that kind of thing of like, they were obviously trying to make a red herring and make you think that it was Team Rocket, and then it didn't pan out, so like, the tension between like, is it a good nod to the original, or was it just like, too much and not great writing. It's balancing that line of was it an Easter egg or was it a mistake? Yeah, was it like too <laughs> obvious an Easter egg? Because if people go into this movie having only like played Pokemon Go and knowing that Pikachu's really cute and that kind of thing, they wouldn't know what Team Rocket Team is. Team Rocket's in Pokemon Go now though. So they wouldn't no know. No one plays Pokemon Go now, though. Four of my coworkers play Pokemon Go Did still. They really? Yeah, I talked about Pokemon Go with my coworkers yesterday. Oh. Yeah. Literally, a girl went through the checkout at the store yesterday and had Pokemon Go open on her phone, and I commented on it. Maybe I should read. Apparently, there's a Pokemon Go. stop like close to the stores, and I'm people like download Pokemon, Pokemon Go, Go now. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, because okay. And they are a huge part. They're such a meme online and stuff like that. I need them to be an actual meme, though. Yeah. They kept nodding to it, too, because I remember, I think it was the scientist who at one point had her hood up, like, really close to her face. And, and I was she, like, is she hiding that iconic pink hair? <laughs> well, she also just looked a lot like how Team Rocket looks in some of the uh, movies, mm -hmm. the anime movies. Um, she it was like a very... in the background, I'd be like, hmm? <laughs> they were just, like, a very iconic team rocket look where like they would cut it'd be like you hadn't seen team rocket at all yet in the anime movie and then they would cut to a scene that was you know two humans wearing that outfit where you can't <laughs> see their face because they have like this mask thing on and then meowth wearing a similar outfit and you'd be like there they are yeah and they haven't even like spoken yet and she was wearing an outfit that looked a lot like that so it was just yeah odd it was too many references to Team Rocket to not have Team Rocket in the movie. It was interesting. Which brings me to my theory that as soon as I read that um, they had announced, they announced a sequel that was in development and they announced it in January of this year and this movie came out in May. May. So they've Wait. obviously wrote this kind of with a sequel in mind and edited it with a sequel in mind. So I'm wondering if that means that Team Rocket is going to be in the sequel and they've set all of this up for that they have because there's a few loose ends right because the scientist is still out there um Isn't or she... do we assume that she died when Mewtwo kind of exploded oh. his enclosure hmm. maybe she got transformed into someone with really long weird pink hair <laughs> I don't yeah know. I'm not sure if we're supposed to assume that she's still out there or not yeah so I, I have a theory and maybe it's actually just more of a hope that if they end up doing this sequel um, it includes Team Rocket. But also, all of the clues they laid for that have kind of been closed off. We know where the R comes from, and it's not Team Rocket. The scientist lady it could still be alive easily. But and like, it is very Team Rocket-ish to say um, that she is like a doctor who lost her license for malpractice. Like, mm -hmm. that's very much like a villainous kind of um, um, origin story. Yeah. And is very team rocket in nature to say that she is like an evil scientist basically um so possible definitely it's also because this is supposed to take place like what 20 years after the events of pokemon 2000 yes because they said 20 years ago mewtwo escaped so if they pull is team rocket in pokemon 2000 they have to be right yeah mm -hmm. okay if they pull team rockets in every movie they never fit in well. They're just, like, <laughs> wedged into some side plot. But they're in every movie. Love them. Um, Besides Detective Pikachu. If, if they pull characters from the original movies and anime, then 
what kind of, like, are they going to age them? Or how exactly, is that going to kind of ruin the world they've built that's very separate from the original storylines? I keep saying the original storylines. Detective Pikachu is based off a series of games called Detective Pikachu. Um, that, as far as I know, this is another one of the things I said I was going to look up and didn't. Um, as far as I know, have nothing to do with any of the other Pokemon games because there's no, you're not playing a trainer, you're not battling Pokemon, there's no Team Rocket, there's no Team Rocket, there's uh, different teams in the games, right? There's like... There's Team Galactic and stuff as well. But yeah, it just kind of, like, it's almost like they wanted to include that but couldn't because they were trying to make it a separate thing and trying to kind of squash any rumors or any impression that this was your typical Pokemon deal that you've seen before. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and, um, Grace, you remember last night when I was like, oh, I'm going to look that up on my phone to make sure I get this fact right, and then I was like, I'm going to save this for the podcast. Yes. Um, what I was looking up was that they said that they decided to not put Professor Oak in this movie because the only person that they ever would have cast as Professor Oak was Robin Williams, and he passed away before the movie was even greenlit. And so it's like there would have been another really big connection to all of the early Pokemon material, Um, and they said, like, no, we're not doing that now because Robin Williams has passed away. Um, So it feels like maybe this movie was potentially... Like, early on, when it was, you know, just greenlit or something, it was supposed to have more connection to the rest of the Pokemon universe. Um, And then after maybe, you know, editing happened, script rewrites, doctoring, whatever, um, after they went through all of that, it, you know, became more and more standalone, maybe. Mm -hmm. Because I don't even think it follows the plot of the games. I feel like I should look that up real quick just to confirm. Um, yeah, because you couldn't have the movie directly follow the games, or you would just be bored because you'd know exactly what was going to happen. So I feel like, yeah, you can't really um, do a direct adaptation in that way. Especially with the amount of time a video game takes to play, it's so hard to adapt into a movie. Like, we've seen that fail how many times now? So you can't really do a direct adaptation unless you're going to do a TV show, which there are some video games. I'd be very down for a very long TV show of Red Dead Redemption. Ooh, yes, good. Literally imagine Red Dead Redemption as a miniseries. Uh, Netflix, pick it up, please. Netflix, do it. Netflix has been doing and a couple... Chaos if you do. Netflix has been doing a couple of video game adaptations because they did a Castlevania anime, and then they're also doing The Witcher on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, Which that's supposed to be really good. People are psyched. Okay, so from what... Uh, the Detective Pikachu games Wikipedia is saying it has a lot of the same characters. So like Detective Pikachu, obviously Tim and Harry Goodman, um, but it's kind of it's a different sort of plot. So um, they were released only in Japan, I think. I know they weren't released in the West, but they became a sort of cult hit, and everyone was kind of demanding um, a Western version of them. And then they made Detective Pikachu the movie, and you can get them now on the 3DS. Uh, hashtag not spawn. <laughs> we wish. <laughs> oh god. Imagine if someday we made money off of talking about our movie rambles. If Nintendo sponsored us, we would be rich. We quit our day jobs. Nice. Do you, you have a day, day job? job? My day job of looking for a day job. <laughs> yeah. Don't at me. Um, okay, so something else that I kind of wanted to talk about was um, the acting in this movie. Because I can't decide if it was just like camp because they're acting in a Pokemon movie or if it was just kind of bad in parts. Yeah. Did you have any notes about this? Did you talk think about the acting at all? So I, I literally just wrote down some of the writing being weird early on. And I don't know if that was like transitioning into to be fair, what is a kind of weird movie? Um and so it's just kind of like are, as an audience, reluctance to completely dive into this right away because it's a furry talking Pikachu and it's a Lickitung on the bus and it's just weird stuff happening. Um, I think there's also, yeah, like, it, it could be just bad, it could, and, like, awkward, or it could be, like, you're playing in a weird, nerdy movie that's starring Ryan Reynolds as a talking mouse. Like, sometimes you just kind of play into that vibe and you have fun. I think you can tell that all of the actors had fun on this. Like, everyone involved in the project had a damn good time. 
are we cussing on this podcast? Yeah, let's go for okay. it. Okay. So the only other movie that I've seen, um, the actor who plays Tim in, which I know his first name is Justice and I can't remember his last name. I should look it up real quick. Oh, wow. What a hard name to remember. Justice Smith. <laughs> um, actually, going his, on his IMDb now, I realize I've seen almost everything he's been in. And I didn't realize it. Um, so I remember him the most from um, the Jurassic World sequel, Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. But apparently he was also in The Get Down, which I didn't realize was him. Because I only watched like half of the first season of The Get Down. Um, and then he's also in Paper Towns. So I've seen that movie twice, and his acting style is kind of um, just always the character who is more conscious of the weirdness of the situation than other characters are. Like, that is his niche. Because in Fallen Kingdom, it's definitely like everybody else is intent on saving the dinosaurs and the volcanoes exploding, and they are first and foremost thinking about the dinosaurs, and he's the one who's kind of like, but guys, there's a volcano exploding and the dinosaurs can kill us, why are we saving them? Yeah. Like, that's his role, is kind of that, um, the audience's thoughts character. I mm -hmm. forget if there's a term for that. Probably. <laughs> we should know that, uh, being creative writing degree holders, but we don't. That is kind of just his acting style. Um, but I also have very mixed feelings about the scene when Lucy is introduced because she is such a unique character in the way that she handles herself and the way that she speaks and delivers her dialogue lines. And I was very torn between she's playing up the fact that she is a character in a video game movie because the way that she delivered her lines is kind of how I imagine the trainers that you meet along the road in the Pokemon games mm -hmm. would talk. Yeah. Where it's very like over dramatic and you're just like, all right then edgelord um and so it kind of felt like that but it also felt bad yeah like I it was badly delivered i wonder if it was maybe not so much that like the individual performances were bad um but just that it wasn't really well coordinated all the individual performances were different takes on it because you had tim being the odd one out and the audience's viewpoint of i'm new to this world of rhyme city um, and you had her really playing up, because I think that's, like, such a trademark Pokemon thing, um, at least in the West, where you have that localization of everyone talks a little bit differently, and all the trainers are really intense, and you walk up to someone and they're like, this Pokemon is the best, My po this Pokemon's gonna beat your Pokemon, let's fight right now. Um, in the Pokemon world, everybody is overconfident. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you're selling a pitch or writing a resume, pretend you're a Pokemon trainer. Life hack. Uh... So she was that kind of really leaning into um, that stereotype and that kind of vibe. And then you have all the just the citizens of Rhyme City being over the top. Oh, what a cute little Pikachu. Pika, Pika. Like um, that one lady in the trailer who's like, Tim's like, you can understand him, right? And she's like, of course I can. Pika, Pika. It's like no one really coordinated how much camp they wanted from everyone and how much Pokemon stereotype they wanted and how much of a serious acting job they wanted. Yes, I feel like that's very accurate to, like, the take that I had from mm -hmm. all of this. Because, um, obviously, if you're going to cast Ryan Reynolds as a CGI animal, you're <laughs> going to get kind of over-the-top comedy humor, which Pikachu's character is wonderful. Yes. Like, the whole, th it's not an addiction, it's just a choice with the caffeine. <laughs> like, it's so, so funny. And also, um, I would be very curious to find out how much they let Ryan Reynolds just ad lib lines mm -hmm. versus what was actually written. Um, because certain lines, like um, the one about not believing in climate change, feel very much like they could have been ad libbed. Yeah. I'm not sure if they were, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were. I, yeah, because it feels like just forced enough that if you put that in a script, someone would be like, oh, ha ha, but then like eventually cut it out. Um, but yeah, and he's definitely the kind of actor that would do that, isn't he? He's... Yes, because I'm pretty sure, maybe I should start looking some of this up, <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of Deadpool's lines are ad-libbed. They nailed the tone of this beautifully. Like, there is a couple of jokes that, if you're bringing your little kid to see this, would fly over their head and make you crack up. Um, that's the best way to do, though, a movie mm -hmm. that's, that's like, very much kid material, but you know that you also have an older audience for. It's very yeah. Disney, where they're like, here's something for the parents. Yeah, I think Disney absolutely perfected that, and this does it so wonderfully, too. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think they really, just overall, they really nailed the tone of everything they wanted to balance 
in there and like that humor is just so well done and like that mainstream and also like nerdy references and stuff like that it's very good yes good another scene that i really wanted to talk about was the scene when they arrive at the lab that mewtwo escaped from um because there they come across all of the genetically enhanced pokemon and there's all of the tech and I don't know how much you remember of the Pokemon 2000 movie, but the um, enclosures that have the um, genetically enhanced Pokemon in them that are almost like bubbles in the wall, the yeah. windows, those reminded me a lot of the uh, like cloning bubbles that the Pokemon come out of when Mewtwo clones them in Pokemon 2000. Because mm-hmm. um, they're like floating in the almost like womb-like bubble and I then they like sink down and they this. come out. Yeah. yeah, it reminded me a lot of those because it's like looking at Pokemon that are like suspended. Um, and so they kind of kept the scientific aesthetic that mm-hmm. they've always had going in Pokemon movies. Um, and especially with it being that this is a facility that Mewtwo escaped from, I think... Um, it's interesting that they kind of had the nod back to the movie that created Mewtwo. Yeah, because that, sh- that could have been... It's another thing that just goes under the radar if you've never seen that movie or don't remember if you watched it as, like, a little kid or something. Um, I think that's one of the better-placed nods. They're one of the best-placed nods in the movie because they just casually mentioned Mewtwo 20 years ago um, when... Uh, Pokemon 2000 took place and just kind of the style the imagery and the setting and the design of that Um, but it's like you got enough information from the context of the movie that you didn't need to know that nod it's just a really cool throwback if you did definitely Um, because in that scene too it's really um, interesting to me that they had all these, oh, they're genetically enhancing Pokemon. These are stronger than normal Pokemon. These are bigger than normal Pokemon. Um, and we're, you know, creating, we're capturing and studying Mewtwo and figuring out, you know, how to weaponize him. Um, but they never really touch on their intent with the other Pokemon that were genetically enhanced. Mm -hmm. Like, that you fully understand the intent behind capturing and experimenting on Mewtwo because they want to use him to be able to transfer human consciousness into Pokemon bodies. But they never touch on the other Pokemon that are at the facility. So what was the intent of making extra strong... Do you remember what those Pokemon were? Was it Greninja who was... Extra strong. Oh, yeah, the extra strong Greninjas, I think. Yeah. Um, so they never touch on why those guys were extra strong or the Torteras were extra big. And I feel like we need to talk about the Torterra scene. Okay, let's... Do you want to just talk about the entire facility thing, in, like, in general? Because I think that's kind of where the plot started to fall apart. Yes, I so, think I can agree with that. Just, like, from then on, and uh, it's gorgeous. I remember watching the entire facility thing and not quite keeping up with what was happening but being like this is visually stunning like all of the hologram stuff um the action the like you said the tanks that they're in and the way they just kind of realize that's a Greninja um it's just and even just like the run out of the facility from where the Torteras Torteras are and when they like run out of that little tent into the bigger area and it kind of hit us both like oh it hit you and I was like I know something's happening. I don't quite know what um, what was happening. Um, like, visually, and the cinematography of it is so good. But plot-wise... <laughs> yeah, things definitely started to fall apart at this point. Because I think that they... And, like, the most basic-as-fuck writing advice ever. But they started to show and not... Or to tell and not show. Because yes. suddenly we were being told oh, Henry was investigating something from the mayor. Oh, uh, then here's another... Like, they showed us a lot of memories to explain Mm -hmm. rather than the plot evolving in a way where Tim and Lucy discovered these things on their own. And so then we were being told, oh, Pikachu had to deal with Mewtwo because humans are bad. Oh, then we were being told Mewtwo transferred Henry's consciousness into Pikachu but gave... Pikachu amnesia. Like, we were just told a lot of things, and they weren't discovered by Tim and Lucy, which is how a detective yeah. plot should unfold. Which is really strange, because um, the P- Pikachu line, specifically, we see the hologram of Mewtwo doing something to Pikachu, and that's when we know... Like, we weren't even told specifically, like, he took his memory, and so that's when we're like, oh, he took his memory, which I think is a brilliant way of doing that, 
and throwing the characters and the audience for a loop because they didn't they weren't like and here's Mewtwo taking Pikachu's memory it was them seeing it and realizing it and then later on realizing that they're wrong so I think that was done really well um but everything that's like the only time the holograms were done really well and it's like after that they just became a really beautiful plot device mm-hmm. um I'm going to be honest, I'm not a big fan of movies that do a lot of memory stuff, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of flashbacks, and so the last time that I saw a movie that I really did not like that had a lot of flashbacks um, was Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh, and so you and I haven't talked about Star Wars The Last Jedi I don't think we have ever. Um, I'm a really, 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 really not big fan of that movie. Um, and so seeing another movie that did the whole, here's a memory, oh no, it was wrong, let's show you the correct memory, Mm -hmm. like, going through that series of, um, like, hoops all over again, I didn't really like, um, because... To me, it's just like, it's not even, oh, we didn't reveal everything to you. Oh, you didn't get the whole picture. It's just, we lied to you so the plot could continue to evade you for the rest of the movie. I think if you're going to do that, I think if they had spread it out better, if we'd had that... Because I remember there was a point where we were going back to Rhyme City after the events of the facility, and you were like, oh my gosh, there's still half an hour left. And it was like, we, we thought that we had the whole plot. But in that last half hour, they shoved it full of different memories and switching who the real villain was and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So if they put the first hologram in the beginning, kind of when they're starting their search of what happened to Henry Goodman, and we had, um, what's his face, Scrimgore? (laughs) What's the name of the Scrimgore from Harry Potter. Um, What's his name in the movie? I don't know. We know what other things people have been in, but we don't know Detective Pikachu well. (laughs) Oh, but his character is Howard Clifford. If he had, like, taken them under his wing and hired them as detectives for him towards the beginning of the movie, because that felt like, it it kind of felt, like, suspicious to me. I was like, are we sure he's the good guy, not the bad guy? But it was far enough along in the movie when we started talking to him, really, that I was like, he has to be the good guy then, because they don't have enough time to make that twist. Um, so if we'd gotten that first hologram early on, and then had the time in between not just showing us the hologram at the end, but then starting to think, wait, something's wrong with that, why would Mewtwo do this, or just, like, finding clues that made them uneasy and made us as the audience uneasy as to that original hologram, and then showed, because I think you can use memory really well and flashback really well as these plot devices, it's just that they're used too conveniently. There's a lot of things towards the end of this film that were convenient, and that was one of them. And uh, Pikachu deciding that he could betray Tim, and so he has to leave. That was incredibly stupid and convenient so that they could be separated for the final battle. Yep. It was... um, I was just really mad about that, because I was sitting there like, there's a million reasons why Pikachu would have teamed up with Mewtwo. Um, We already know that holograms can show false information. Like, why are we just taking this for ser- when something serious is going on and you need to stick together? It was very... It was it was a rough last... I think they just put everything in at the end instead mm-hmm. of spreading... They spent so much time world building and they did such an excellent job world building that their plot didn't get they the They shed a shove it all at the end. Yeah, the plot didn't get the space it needed mm-hmm. to Because, too, if they had spread out their need for world building and mise-en-scene throughout the movie, I think that the parade scene could have had a lot more to it. Because mm-hmm. um, between having, like, parade crowds with all these Pokemon and people there to watch the parade and also having, like, the balloons and floats and everything, yeah. that could have been a scene that would have been beautiful. Like, I'm picturing... In the most recent James Bond movie, there's the scene at the beginning where Daniel Craig is running through the um, parade crowd in Mexico, and I'm picturing, like, if the Pokemon parade had had that level of detail and, um, like, the largeness of the crowd, the fun of the crowd, the culture of the crowd, like, there could have been so much to that parade scene that would have made it um, a really, really rich scene and also would have upped the feeling of like oh no about all of the conscious transfers happening between the humans and pokemon Mm -hmm. um but instead i feel like 
all that we really got a sense of was the beginning of the parade route because that's where all of the very official people were and that's where Lucy was with the news and then like one set of bleachers for watching the parade that was yeah. next to that that's yeah. all the sense of the parade that we got but like it's a parade in a big city it's gonna go for blocks and blocks and we had no sense of those other blocks mm -hmm. or like how many how big of an event it was because I feel like they probably announced the parade earlier in the film right because the um yeah, the Cliffords were talking about it on the news, but I honestly had completely forgotten about it by the time the parade showed up. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if there's, like, and maybe there were, like, advertisements in the background for the parade. I was just thinking that, that there should have been, like, yeah, posters on like the streets Like, have a subtle theme all the way through being, like, there's gonna be this huge parade and everyone will be there. Um, just, like, little touches like that. Um, I also... Can we talk about the end game for Clifford the Senior and how it made no sense whatsoever? Right, because I get that he wants to put his consciousness into a Pokemon because his body is deteriorating. Yeah. And he's power hungry, so he's like, I want to be Mewtwo. Okay, like, makes sense. Did they However... Even, did they even need Mewtwo to do that? Yes. Mewtwo's the only Pokemon that has the Oh, right, he did the capability. actual transfer. Okay. Right. Because Howard wasn't actually in Mewtwo through Mewtwo's powers. He was in Mewtwo through the technology they created to well, mind control Mewtwo. Well, that was what I was wondering. Mewtwo. If they had the technology to transfer the body initially, they don't need Mewtwo. They need Mewtwo to do a mass transfer of mm -hmm. combining everyone's body. Um, but they'd already, like, solved how to do it without Mewtwo, yeah. technically. So I, the thing both of us immediately were like, we understand why... Clifford wants to do that. We don't understand why he wants everyone in the city to be forced to do that with no notice. Right, because, like, what benefit does that give the rest of the city? Because now the Pokemon don't exist and there's the consciousness of the people in the Pokemon. Yeah. What benefit does that give anybody? Because I guess people then can do, like, Pokemon moves. Like, they would have the abilities that the Pokemon that they are inhabiting have, but also they never explained why Howard Clifford thought that was a good thing at all. Yeah, because it's not even, like, a problem in the city that he's trying to fix. Because every time we see Rhyme City, it's always humans and Pokemon doing the same thing, and that's the example we're given. Like, the firefighters and the Squirtle both putting out a fighter. It's and, very, very harmonious. Yeah. And, and like, like, the police tech, uh, the police officers all have Growlis with them, so it's like those are their, like, canine unit yeah, or something. Yeah, and, like, like at the bars, you have a human serving humans and a Pokemon serving Pokemon. Mm -hmm. It's just everyone has the same abilities, and they've found a way to cooperate like that. And there's not even villainous intent in Howard Clifford. Like... He just thinks this is a good thing, yeah, but nobody really understands why. He doesn't even talk about, like he wants to control the city. He already does. He doesn't talk about how he wants to, like, enslave people by making them Pokemon, even though that doesn't make sense because Pokemon are more powerful than people. Mm -hmm. um, There's just no sense of, in, like, they didn't give us a sense of intent behind his actions other yeah. than just, well, he's crazy and he's a villain. Yeah. It was almost like a cop-out evilness. Because even Team Rocket, right, for all their ridiculous plans, they, have a reason behind it. Right. There's always a reason behind these big end-of-world things that are happening mm -hmm. in Pokemon movies. Yeah. And, you know, Jesse and James forever want to capture Pikachu just because Pikachu is a very, very powerful Pikachu, and they just have set their minds on the fact that that is the ultimate Pokemon for them to bring back to their boss. Dear so, God. like, there's at least, you know, logical thought there. Yeah. But... Clifford just didn't seem to have that kind of logic behind his ultimate villain move. Yeah, I think the problem was it made a lot of sense and they built him up very well to want to transfer his consciousness into a Pokemon. But it's like that wasn't bad enough for them to go with. So They had to have other intentions and yeah. then they didn't really figure out a reason behind them. They just created the yeah. actions. Which was, it almost feels like they could have had him immediately transfer into Mewtwo and become corrupted by the raw power of Mewtwo and be like, ha ha ha, I can destroy the world now. Mm -hmm. And they had to stop him like that. Um, and that would have been better. Because what if it was that like Clifford was trying to force this harmonious... Uh, Pokemon people thing onto the rest of the world. Like, eliminate all trainers. All oh, trainers are yeah. bad. Like, what if this extended out beyond Rhyme City? Like, yeah. that would have worked as a, like, he has decided that 
um, all battling and training needs to be gone forever from the world. So he goes and he, because he's Mewtwo and he has powers, he's like, oh, I'm just going to snap my fingers and, wow, it's very Thanos. I'm just going to snap my fingers and all trainers are going to disappear and all gym leaders are going to disappear. Well, like, what if it was something like that? But instead, it, they kept it within Rhyme City and Rhyme City is a utopia. So it was like, how do you mess up a utopia mm -hmm. when you are the creator of the utopia who believes in your utopia? So then there was yes. no logic behind messing up the utopia. And I think you could even justify the forcing people to become uh, tied, like, to morph into their Pokemon with the I want to eliminate training, because you have, if, if people were Pokemon, they would no longer be getting into illegal fights. And they could have set that up so well, because we see an illegal fighting ring in Rhyme City, we know what those characters look like and who their Pokemon are. So they, they could have been at the parade and been, like, the first victims of, oh, you're now your Pokemon, or, oh, I just destroyed you, and, like, that kind of thing. But there's there's just no continuity to it. It mm. was, that entire last half hour could have stood on its, uh, like, not stood on its own because, like, it doesn't make any sense, even with the rest of the movie. But the entire last half hour didn't feel like the rest of the movie mm. at all. Yes, I would agree with that. There's a couple more points that we want to uh, hit in this podcast, even though we are at uh, an hour. And so, um, the very, very ending... Epilogue! ...is that um, once Harry is not in Pikachu's body anymore and has regained... both of them have regained memories, um, he literally is Ryan Reynolds. So Ryan Reynolds prepared. is uh, Justice Smith's dad. Well... Ryan Reynolds plays Harry, who is Tim's dad. Yeah. Um, and I have weird feelings about this. Because, one, Ryan Reynolds is not old enough to have a 21-year-old son, even if you salt and pepper his hair. <laughs> and I have then, to say, the salt and pepper hair actually looks really good. It does. Ryan Reynolds does look good with salt and pepper hair. Yes. But. And this is coming from, like, a lesbian, so you know he looks good. <laughs> but, um, I don't think it works. It doesn't work. It's too... <laughs> I think I think because everyone knew Ryan Reynolds was behind this, and Ryan Reynolds has become, like, that kind of... has such a cultural presence that we're all like, ah, he's Detective Pikachu, that makes sense, this is good. Um, and then when he's just, like, shows up in person at the end, and they do a reveal of it, too, because you hear his voice, Tim's, like, waiting at a train station, and you hear... Ryan Reynolds say, Tim, and you're like, and then it shoots to Pikachu, and you're like, oh, Pikachu, Pikachu can still talk to him, this is nice, cool, um, Pikachu's still here, and then it pans up to his dad, and we're like, oh, it's his dad, that's cool, and then it's just Ryan Reynolds, and we're like, I was not expecting that, and you don't have time to adjust to it at all, mm -hmm. and it's also, it's I feel an like, awkward scene. But also, yeah, the age gap doesn't work. Ryan Reynolds' um, presence as an actor doesn't really work. Yeah, he's so like he's so quiet and subdued. Right, which he does have to embody something different as like Pikachu talking versus as being a real person in this world. He's like yeah. a hardened detective working for the city. Yeah, and I think that's it. Is that Ryan Reynolds could be cast as Pikachu, but Ryan Reynolds can't be cast as a hardened detective. Especially because we see like another detective who knew him really well, and he's very hardened and looks older, and is always seen in like dark clothes and a dark room and that kind of thing. Um, so being like, oh, that's the kind of person his dad was. And then we see right, it's Ryan like, oh, Reynolds they worked together. just kind of standing very, like, straight and tall in a train station in broad daylight and being like, how's it going? Um, I also, I think it's a really weird scene because I remember once the credits started rolling, I turned to you and I was like, so do Pikachu or Harry Goodman remember anything? Does Tim have to go on being like, we had this huge adventure with you and also you, but neither of you. And I'm the only one who remembers it now. It almost seems like the Pikachu that we saw throughout the movie that could talk to Tim is like a third consciousness or something. Because yeah. it's like, he can talk to Tim because it's Harry, but also it's not Harry because he doesn't know he's Harry and has none of the knowledge of Harry. But it's also not Pikachu because Harry's consciousness is in Pikachu. Yeah. So it's like, there's two consciousnesses in Pikachu that both have amnesia that create a third conscious that knows it has amnesia. Like, it's very odd. And it's not... And it's not like I need to know who has the memories. It's just, uh, like, coming to terms at the end of the movie, having that settling feeling of now this is over. Um, that is one of the things that kind of itches your brain afterwards. Yeah, and because they never really say who 
remembers. I think it's entirely possible that Pikachu does because when you if, if you think about it, it'd be the same thing as everyone in the streets having combined with their Pokemons during the final battle. And I remember Lucy says when she, uh, her and her Psyduck separate, they kind of hug. She's like, let's never do that again. And he kind of like agrees. So he obviously remembers that moment. So I'm wondering if like Pikachu does, because I remember Tim also says, um, I've like, maybe I can become a detective or like I've been thinking about becoming a de detective and Pikachu immediately agrees. So does Pikachu remember and no one's gonna, like he can never talk about it because he's a Pikachu? I think so. It's just, it's kind of, there's so much up in the air that's not really relevant to the plot. Right. But like this is almost like a CinemaSins level, like, oh, it's a plot hole because like you yeah, didn't tell us. It's not a plot hole because it doesn't just, matter to the plot, but it's a detail that I want explained. Right. It's just a question that leaves you hanging in a way that you are going to think about. Yeah, and, like, if they have a sequel, what are they gonna do with that? And, like, is it- I think it's also because, like, you're- in solving the mystery of Rhyme City, you're solving Tim and Harry's relationship. Duh. Um, but does Harry realize why? Or is Tim just, like- Is he gonna have to explain to his dad what they just went through? Yeah. Because I think that this- this movie did run into a time constraint issue, essentially. Yeah. Like, they ran out of time to uh, unpack and cover everything that they maybe needed to for the kind of plot they were trying to tackle. Speaking of running out of time, uh, it's about time to wrap this up, Amy. Well, thank you to anybody who made it this far in our very first episode. <laughs> um, it really means a lot to us, to anybody who is genuinely listening to this podcast. If you want to see more from us in the near future, you can follow us on Twitter at YesGoodPodcast. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Grace underscore Jessica, and that's Jessica with two A's. And my Twitter is at HeyIt's underscore Amy J. That's A-M-Y-J-A-Y. Um, and this is us signing off. We will see you guys next time. Yes, good.